17, if you are able to stand, Matthew 17. Now, I didn't mention it, but it, <clears throat> most of our church members are aware, uh, Wayne Sipe went home to be with the Lord earlier this week. And so he crossed over, he's graduated in a better place, and he is rejoicing with that heavenly crowd. In the meantime, we have to wait. Uh, but uh, I tell you that, keep the family in prayer. The uh, funeral service is this Saturday at Myers. It will be a private family service. Uh, but if you want to check the obituary, there, there's a way you can show your respects, your uh, condolences uh, to the family if you'd like to do that, okay? But I want to make mention of that. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8. All right. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Verse 9, I want to go ahead and read down to verse uh, 13, actually. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. We're going to focus on verse 8 this morning. That's where our focus will be, but and I know we have a special here in just a moment. But I do find it fascinating, this is not my emphasis, I do find it fascinating that the disciples have just experienced this literally mountaintop experience in their Christian life. In a literal sense, they are on the mountain and they've seen Jesus in his glory. They'd seen him in his humanity, but now they're seeing the deity just glow through him. And they get down, as they're leaving the mountain, Jesus basically tells them, now don't tell anybody. Man, can you imagine how hard that would be? Don't tell anybody. I don't tell anybody until I've resurrected. And it appears they had selected hearing because to resurrect, you've got to die. 
And uh, they move right on to another subject, and they talk about Elias, because apparently Elijah stuck to their brain. No doubt Moses did as well. And Jesus lets them know, yes, there's an Old Testament passage that says that uh, Elijah will come, and then the Messiah. Well, John the Baptist was that mouth, that voice of the Lord. And so I just want to mention that, just because I think it's fascinating. But the passage we're going to zero in on is verse 8. Let's pray here. Father, we love you. We pray that you bless our service this morning. Thank you for the word of God. May the Holy Spirit help me to speak. Give us all an ear to hear. And I pray that you bless our special music at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to drink some agua. Nobody likes a dry preacher. Okay, if you have your Bibles, please look back at Matthew 17 for just a moment. Matthew 17, I, <clears throat> I do have some comments on these other passages as we uh, approach verse 8. So what we find here in verse 1, the Lord Jesus uh, draws apart three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they are going to ascend a hill. A mountain. And I want to read this again. It says, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. Verse 2 And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Just a couple quick comments on spiritual growth. There's a lot in this passage, a lot of application here, and I really want to just kind of give you some appetizers as we get to verse 8. But I believe truly as you and I uh, grow in the Lord, we grow in our understanding of His glory and His significance. The world has a keen way of dimming our eyes from seeing Christ high and lifted up. I mean, whether it be all the distractions and the pleasures of the world or, what, or even the trials the world has a way, our flesh has a way, and certainly the devil has a way of putting blinders on our eyes concerning who Jesus really is. Now, <clears throat> just a couple thoughts. If you and I would get a greater glimpse of God's glory, it's going to be because we ascend up. We set our affection on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. I understand we have duties, we have responsibilities, and there are pleasures even on this earth that, are, that God has given to us. But inevitably, holding everything with a loose hand, understanding this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. And keeping your eyes turned upon Christ. We must ascend in that sense if we're going to grow in grace. And also, there are seasons of separation that are necessary You'll notice the word apart in verse 1. The last, it says, and high mountain apart. Inevitably, for you and I to grow, there will need to be seasons where we set ourselves apart to spend time intimately with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 32, during the crisis hour of Jacob's life, the, past, the chapter, uh, midway through the chapter, there's a phrase that says, and Jacob was alone. And after that, 
he met God. And there was this amazing wrestling match. And it's uh, the equivalent of a prayer meeting. And it's through that experience his life is transformed. But there's those seasons that we have to get apart. You know, it's hard to be still and know that he is God if we don't get to a place where we can hear him. Sometimes we've got to remove ourselves from the distractions of this world if we're going to find out God's plan. Everybody understand that? Now, this is obvious, really, maybe for those of you, those of you who have uh, been Christians for a while, but nevertheless, it's important for us to grasp this. Well, while they're on that mountainside, and they're watching the Lord Jesus begin to glow, I mean... His very clothing is brighter than an LED light. And they see this complete distinction in who he is. His glory. The Bible lets us know that two other characters appear that did not walk up with them. And that is Moses and Elijah. Now there's three of them, Peter, James, and John. But Peter was always the outspoken one and Peter makes a comment. He says, Lord, as he's looking at these three, and apparently he's privy to the fact that that's Moses, that's Elijah. Maybe they took a Polaroid of him back then and they passed it on, right? No, they had to have communicated enough to where he heard him say, you're Moses? You're Eli- with me? They had to have communicated enough because they didn't have the pictures unless Rembrandt was back there or Da Vinci and they, no, no. And so they figured out this is Moses and Elijah, and obviously to a Jew, that's, they're like heroes of the faith. And so Peter, being so awed, wanting to do something, Lord, let me build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and Elijah, and then the next scene, I'm reviewing what we read, yes. The next scene, a voice from heaven A voice from heaven speaks. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And there's no doubt there was a glow between Jesus and that voice. And it frightened Peter, James, and John to the earth. I mean, they put their faces to the ground. I'd be a little nervous too, wouldn't you? I mean, they are on the ground. They are fearful. A couple things I want to make mention of. Why Moses and Elijah? And really, Moses is representative of the law. He's representative of, of the law. Elijah is representative of the prophets. And so we could say we have a representat- representation of the law and the prophets there with Jesus. And Peter looks at them and says, this is amazing, I want to do something. Then all of a sudden the voice from heaven says, oh no, here's the voice you need. Now, Jesus is the fulfiller of the law. He's the only human to ever live a life exactly according to the law. The only human to do that. He's also the fulfillment of every prophecy that had been mentioned of the Messiah. 
It's like the Lord saying, uh, uh, <clears throat> you don't need Moses and you don't need the prophets anymore. You have Jesus. To a degree. Um, they are fearful and they fall on their faces and the Lord Jesus walks over to them while they are absolutely trembling. And the Lord Jesus comes over to them and says, Arise, be not afraid. And when they get up, we come to verse 8. And then when they got up, they saw no man save Jesus only. Now, that's interesting. It is only Jesus who can give you and I comfort in the presence of the Father. Are you hearing me? If you have the law and prophets, but you don't have Jesus, you won't feel comfortable in the presence of the Father. It is only Jesus. And there's an emphasis that is being made here that God wants us to get, which now leads me into the message. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. First of all, I want to say there is nothing else necessary for salvation save Jesus only. You don't need to add the law. We've been talking about this on Wednesday nights as we went through the book of Galatians. So for some of you, it's like, man, I've heard this a hundred times. Well, you're going to hear it until we get to glory. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. That my living up to the laws of God is not what's going to get me to heaven. Oh, no, 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 no. And there's nothing else that needs to be fulfilled. Jesus is here. And Jesus has paid it all. He lived the perfect life. He was not contaminated with sin at birth because he was virgin born. He volunteered himself to take our place on the cross. We deserve to die for our sin. He did not. He volunteered himself, took our place, and he died for all men. Nothing else is necessary. Jumping in the tub is not necessary to get us saved. Even attending church is not necessary to get us saved. Uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, changing bad habits and then creating good habits, though these things are wonderful and everything I mentioned are important, those are good things, they are not the things that get you to heaven. Nothing gets us to heaven save Jesus only. What you think of me doesn't get me to heaven save Jesus only. What church membership I'm part of doesn't, doesn't get me to heaven save Jesus only. Whether I wear a tie or not doesn't get me to heaven save Jesus only. Hey, listen, if I brought my Bible to church or didn't bring it to church, it doesn't get me to heaven save Jesus only. The only way I'm going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And the only way you'll get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That message, friend, don't let it get old. Thank God for the simplicity of it. 
Thank God for the, for the substitutionary work of Christ. Thank God that it's easy. The thing of it is the devil will make it difficult. The devil will make it complicated. <coughs> the devil will create confusion. But inevitably, when all is said and done, if you get to heaven, it's going to be because you got there through Jesus only. Moses is there because of Jesus only. And I know, wait a minute. Well, Moses wasn't around when Jesus was around. Uh, yes, he was. Well, Jesus wasn't around when Moses was around. Uh, yes, he was. What's the Bible say about Jesus? I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. We'll read that tonight in Revelation. He was around. He was around long before Moses. As a matter of fact, before Adam and Eve failed in the Garden of Eden, Jesus was around. Father, Son, Holy Ghost have always been around. Our finite minds can't comprehend it. And you, If you feel like, well, I'm not going to put my faith in something I don't understand, well, then you... Uh, don't ever use electricity again unless you understand it completely. The reality is this. We get to heaven through Jesus only. The next thing I'd point out is this. Nothing else will go with us through the valley of the shadow of death save Jesus only. This past week, a dear friend of mine and many of yours went on to glory. And when he left, you know what? He didn't take his house. He didn't take his car. He didn't take his wealth. He didn't take his clothes. You know what he took? Or what took him? The only thing he had as he left, say, Jesus only. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou, for thou, for thou art with me, said the good shepherd said the good shepherd. When you and I get ready to take our last breath, when we get ready to take our last breath, we won't be taking anything that we've accumulated on this world with us. Oh, no, 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 no. Man, I've got a library of books. I love my books, but I won't take a, one single book with me. None of that will be there. There's people I love. I, I'm not, I can't take them with me. The only one that's going to escort me through that valley is the Lord Jesus. That's it. And thank God he will. Thank God he will. Hey, you can't get a better escort. You ask the disciples. They're heading across the Sea of Galilee on that boat. Jesus decides to take a nap and the boat starts to shake under a, a heavy waves and a storm picks up and water's coming in and it's getting out of control. Peter, James, and John said to themselves, hey, grab the oars, boys. Let down the sail. We got to stabilize this thing. And as they tried to grab the oars and tried to stabilize this thing, tried to get the, get the boat balanced, it just, it was out of their control. They said, hey, Andrew, uh, Matthew, you got to help us. I know you don't know anything about boating, but we need you up here. Oh, who knows? They may have called every disciple, and finally they looked back at Jesus, who was sleeping during it all, and they said, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. And he gets up, and he calms the sea. Peace be still. He spoke the word, and the wind stopped, and the sea calmed. You know what they learned? 
They learned nothing to calm that storm save Jesus only. Nothing could calm that storm. Their skill couldn't calm that storm. Their intellect, their knowledge of the sea and the, uh, the boat couldn't calm that, couldn't, set the, couldn't calm their fears. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, the number of men they had in there, oh, couldn't. Oh, the one thing, the one person that made the difference, Jesus Christ was on board. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know your situation, but the only one that can really calm your storm, the only one, Jesus only. Jesus only. Well, we move on here. Matter of fact, you know, there's a passage in Psalms 48, verse 14. Psalms 48, verse 14. Bob Dickey actually pointed this out to me a number of years ago. And I guess it never really settled on me. I'd read through it scores of times. But there's a lot of the Bible in there. Isn't it amazing how we can read through the Bible? Dozens and dozens, maybe uh, more than that, of times, and then still find new treasure. It's an exhaustive book. Well, Brother Bob brought out that, this text. He said he used it at a funeral. He showed it to me. I said, that's an awesome text. Where have I been? You're all looking at it, aren't you? Psalms 48, 14. He will be our guide, even unto death. If God lets me to li- live long enough to lay on a hospice bed and, and have a little conscious awareness of the people around me, I would want you to quote that verse to me. I would want to hear that promise. I would want to be reminded that though I'm going to be letting go of everything, he will be my guide even unto death. I can go through this valley because the good shepherd's with me. You say, I don't care what you offer me. I want hope. I want comfort. I want strength. Because all, listen, it's so easy for us to rely on our flesh, our money, our talent, our skills, even the people around us, and not rely on Jesus. Now, we might say we do, but we don't know if we really do until he's the only one. Oh, there's a lot here. A lot here. You see, when he is all you have, you're going to discover he's all you need. My wife uh, pulled out a, uh, uh, well, I was going to say a CD. It wasn't a CD. It was on the, her iTunes or whatever on her phone. Uh, there was a group we listened to back in the 90s called uh, The Bishops. And man, I hadn't heard that music in a long time. She put it on as we're driving, listening to one after another, and I remember, I remember those songs. I love that. I love their music. And they have a song, either with this title or this, this phrase, When he's all you have, you'll discover he's all you need. And man, it was so awesome listening to that. I didn't know I was going to be preaching on this this morning uh, when I listened to the music with her earlier this week. But you see, uh, hey Daniel, now that you're in a lion's den, what do you have? 
Well, I have God. Hey, Paul, all men have forsook you. Yeah, but the Lord stood with me, and he delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you're going in the fire. Yeah, but the Lord's with me. We learn sometimes God puts us in positions where he wants to teach us all you need is me. I'm not saying it's comfortable. I'm not saying the journey and the experience is a fun journey. But the beautiful thing is this. The beautiful thing is this. When you get there, you realize it's true. With Jesus, I have all I need. He is my sufficiency. He is my strength. He is the one who opens the door. He is the one who closes doors. He is the one that turns the lights on. He is the one that keeps the lights on. All, listen, all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. He created all things by him. All things exist. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, if you got Jesus, you have everything you need. Everything you need. Man, I'm going to finish this sermon early. You see, what you need, I need to understand is this. We can't live the Christian life without Jesus. That's kind of an oxymoron there. There's a word I haven't used in a while. When I th say that word, I think of an ox and a moron. Now, but the reality is, I, uh, Acts eleven twenty six says, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They were called Christians because they looked like Christians. They talked like Christians. They acted like Christians. They behaved like, they loved one another like Christians. They forgave one another like Christians. They worked like Christians. They were responsible like Christians. Or I should say like Christ. Like Christ. Like Christ. And their enemies said they act like Christian. Christian. Their enemies. They didn't. They didn't say, hey, we're Christians to get nominated for some political office. By the way, that doesn't even matter today. We've gone so far. Now, we're living in a day and age where the real Christian, please stand up. Will the real Christian please stand up? And the beautiful thing is, what they discovered and what they revealed was Jesus is our sufficiency, He's our stabilizer you got a troubled heart. You know, there's so many things we look to alleviate our troubled heart. I understand that. I understand that. But the reality is this. If you want true peace, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth shall go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It may be that we got a troubled heart because we are not looking at Jesus. It may be we get a troubled heart because we're looking at everything else. Now, we might, with our words, say, I'm looking to Jesus, but with our heart, with our devotional time, with our private time, are we really looking to Jesus? Are we looking to the TV? Are we looking to the Internet? Are we looking to this and that? I'm just asking. The only one who can calm the troubled heart is the same one who calmed the troubled sea. 
And the way you get that cared for is you turn your eyes, you look at him, you humble yourself before him and realize he's the master of the sea. He knows my situation. He knows where I'm at. He knows the number of hairs that were, are on your head and that were on your head, my friend. And I'll tell you what, if he cares for the sparrows, he cares for you. He died for you. Look at him. Gaze at him. Learn of him. Humble yourself for him. Follow him. Where's he going? Well, I'll tell you where he's going. He's going to the first person that you see has a need that you can meet. I'll tell you where he's going. He's going for the first opportunity you have to speak about your faith and share the testimony of salvation. I'll tell you where he's going. On a Sunday morning, he's assembling with his people. And friend, I'll tell you where he's going. He's going for the, person, the next person you see that's sad, broken-hearted, discouraged. He's going there. He's nigh unto them with a broken heart. Well, if he's going there and I'm following him, where should I end up going? Hello? If he's going there and I'm following him, shouldn't I, shouldn't I end up coming alongside people and saying, Hey, I'm just a fellow pilgrim. But if I can help, I want to. Are you hearing me? You see, that's, how, that, that's all part of taking up that yoke. That he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and have, are heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. There's a great paradox there. You work for Jesus, and you find rest unto your souls. It's kind of like if you die to self and live for him, you find life. If you lose your life, you can find it. Unusual Christian paradox. But only those who have experienced it can testify. It's true, it's true, it's true. And of course, the ultimate paradox is the way to live is die. Die to self. And one day we're really going to live when this body dies, we put on the glorified body. Well... When he's all we have, we'll discover he's all we need. Nothing can sustain us as Christians save Jesus only. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. Well, you don't have to have a theological degree to figure out what that means. We need him in everything we do. We need him if we're going to live the Christian life. I'm going to wrap it up with this. I'm serious, I am. So I got sick of wearing that eye watch to the pulpit. I don't like something talking to me when I'm trying to talk. So I went around my house, I thought, you know, I used to have watches. I used to, before the iPhone and iWatch days, I used to have some watches. Where'd they go? I had a Seiko. I've hunted that thing up and had to rewind it and all that. I thought it still works. Look at that. It still works. So I wore that. And then I found out it had some uh, humidity in there because I went out and shoveled snow with it and it got all frosted. And well, bummer. But still avoiding my eye watch. Now I'll wear it if I exercise, but not wanting to wear that all the time. I had another watch, my wife and I. 
I got this years ago, a citizen. It's not a Rolex or anything like that. Or a Tag Hauer, is that the other one? Yeah, no. But it's a pretty cool watch. I liked it. I don't even know how to use it completely. It's got three buttons, and I don't touch any of them. <laughs> but I found it, and I thought, well, the thing about that watch is my band. I'd, it got all frayed, and it broke. I need a new band for it, and it was way off time. So I checked on the Internet, and is there a place around here that can fix a citizen watch? A place called Rudy's. Putting in a Rudy's watch service in Brownsburg. This is free advertisement. I should tell them. They said, yeah, bring it in. So I brought it in. They said, oh, that's a, yeah, that's a nice watch. That's, we can replace, we can repair that for you. And it did cost $89. I didn't think it was bad. This was an expensive watch. And I, I wanted to wear it. They said, well, what kind of band do you want on it? Yeah, oh, okay. And they suggested this gray one. So I thought, cool. Yeah. Kept the clip and all of that. And then so when I went to pick it up, pay for it, uh, the lady looked at me and she said, now, that's an eco drive. You know what an eco drive is? Okay. Okay. That's an eco drive. And this is what she said. This is exactly what she said. She said, if you want it to work, you've got to keep it in the light. I looked at her and said, I'm going to preach that. <laughs> that's awesome. I said, because that's my Christian life. If I want it to work, I've got to keep it in the light. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. I thought, that's the answer. I said, well, thank you, ma'am. You helped me get up with a closer for Sunday morning. <laughs> she said, when you take it off, she said this. She said, when you take it off, keep it in the light. There's a lot of things that will blockade the light. We have to deliberately. Are you hearing me? Most of you ended up at church today on purpose. I know there's a few that woke up here thinking, wow, how'd I end up here? What on earth? And I know you think this is the most wonderful dream of your life. But most of you got here deliberately. You knew how to get here. And I'm glad you came. I reckon if you can make it here, you can make it to the light. You can put yourself in the presence of the light. Absorb the light. Reading the Word of God is the light. Turning your heart up to the Lord and seeking Him and asking His assistance as you read. Asking Him to help in the everyday affairs of life and family and friends. Oh, you're staying in the light, stepping in the light. I declare unto you, child of God, if you want your Christian life to work, you better keep it in the light. Lord, bless the service. Thank you for your word. May your Holy Spirit help us. Help us to be diligent in our walk with you, 
We are grateful that you've paid the full price of our redemption. But you gave us the ability. We are an eco-drive, so to speak. And we're not going to be strong for you, have boldness for you, have peace from you, if we're not looking to you. And we can try everything else, but when all is said and done, only Jesus can help us. Thank you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, with every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask this question. Maybe there's somebody here this morning who'd say, Preacher, pray for me. I don't know that I'm going to go to heaven. I don't want to die and go to hell, but I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. If you'd lift your hand up, I'll pray for you. Anyone like that as I look around? Is there anyone like that as I look around? You'd say, Preacher, I don't want to go to hell, but I'm just not sure I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. All right, let me ask this question. Maybe there's some folks in the room who'd say, Preacher, the Lord spoke to my heart. I know I need to spend time in the light of Jesus Christ. And I, with just an uplifted hand, you just testify to that and, and acknowledge that need. Anybody like that? All right. Father, bless those that have raised their hands and bless our invitation and encourage us. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, that you'll be our guide even unto death. We're thankful, Lord, you are our sufficiency. You said when our mother and father forsake us, the Lord will lift us up. It's a fascinating passage. Those we love most, at best, they're still mortal. Our most trusted confidence can still let us down and disappoint, but you never will. Help us to have spent time in your presence that we'd be filled with your grace, your mercy, your strength, your love. Bless this invitation. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian.